I want you to turn in your Bible this morning to the book of Psalms. And uh, I was thinking just the other day, it was almost 50 years ago that I preached for the first time. And uh, I will never forget a lot of those things because I, if there was anything that I did not want to do in the course of my life, it was to be a preacher. I was raised in church. I got saved. I was one of the little Sunday school kids that got saved at five years of age and went to every missions conference and every special meeting. I was in church probably 100 to 120 times a year. Uh, That's just the way I was raised. And I didn't not want to go to church. I just didn't want to be a preacher. That meant more time in church. And uh, I was looking forward to the, you know, the Baptist approach, which is once on Sunday, once on Wednesday, and, and maybe an occasional revival service. And it didn't work out that way. But uh, I remember those times because I did not want to preach. I was not a good candidate for the ministry, and that would have been the last choice if God had given me my choice. And uh, I remember how God proved to me that's what he wanted me to do. I've never doubted that since that night that he went above and beyond and said, now, do you need any more proof? And I said, okay, I'm in. But uh, I want to preach something to you this morning that's been precious to me over the years. Things have changed greatly in, in the time that I've been in the ministry. I sometimes don't even recognize churches in this day and time. Uh, there was no such thing as a contemporary Christian when I began the ministry. There were uh, infidels, and then there were fundamentalists, and that's about the extent of it. Uh, and uh, so having come through all that, I- I'm not necessarily confused, because to be confused, you'd have to care. I, I really don't care about all the uh, splits and divisions and distinctions that there are in Christianity today, because I find that this book has not changed. And its teaching has not changed, and so I can still keep my absolute and utmost confidence in this book that I trusted by faith so many years ago when I came to Christ as a sinner and was saved, and when I submitted to the call of God in my life to preach the gospel. I'm thankful that when God's involved, things stay stable all the way through the course of the ministry. My text this morning is Psalm 19, and my message is not deep because I find that as I go along, there are just certain things that are constant needs in the life of God's people. You'd love to think we would reach a tier and stay there. And then we would climb the mountain a little higher of maturity or or whatever we might call it in our Christian walk. And we would reach another level and we would stay there. And over time, we would climb the peak and be able to see. But the truth of the matter is uh, that Paul said it, I think, well, when for the time uh, you have need that you be taught again. When you should be moving on up, you should be knowing things, you should be aware of things, you should be confident in things. He said you have need somebody teach you again those first principles. So the first principles never fail. Psalm chapter 19, beginning in verse number seven, the law of the Lord is perfect. Converting the soul, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than the honey and the honeycomb. That's quite a statement. Uh, That's quite a statement even in the day and in the times which the psalmist is writing. 
Gold and silver seemingly has always had an intrinsic value. It is the underlying element for currency worldwide to this day. And in this day and time, when the psalmist was writing, he's talking about the preciousness and the the worth of the words of God given by inspiration. And he said they are more to be desired than gold. Now, that's a true statement. It's just not a statement that most people will buy into in this day and time. I find that more and more as time has gone on in the course of my ministry and even from time to time in my own life, uh, monetary things have an easy way of subverting the things of the Lord, of pushing aside the things that are right, the things that are good, the things that are biblical, the things that are holy, and making room for self and me and mine and my dreams and all of those things. It is To be expected in the lives of young people. They're always interested in my future and where I'm going from here and what's my next step and when will I get married. They're always planning into the future and it's right to do those things. But if we're not careful, we become fixated on what is ahead. And in doing so, we forget the importance of what is now before us. We are planning at some point to improve our prayer life. We're planning somewhere down the road to read our Bible consistently and on a daily basis. We're planning somewhere down the road to get the kinks out of our Christianity and and kind of become that mature Christian that we think Christianity should be represented by. We're always aspiring to be what God wants us to be, just not today. There's too much on my plate today. And I find that if we neglect the one thing that remains true, you know, the book that I have on the table this morning is the book that was given by inspiration to the patriarchs. When Moses writes and pens those words, I still have those words before me today. When Joshua writes, when when the writers of the Old Testament set to pen the things that God told them to write down, those things still exist right here before me today. Not only is it the existence, but it's the pertinence of those things. They still have meaning. They still provide direction to this day. What God said to Moses, I find comfort in in my own life. What God said to Joshua when he was leading the people of Israel to the place of promise, when God called him and used him, I find things that God said to him that still help me in my daily walk, in my pursuit of the things of the Lord. This is not a book where I'm just looking for something that is poignant and up to date. This is a book that is always up to date. This is a book that when I need it most, but least expect to find it. And oftentimes in the place where I didn't think it existed, I'll find a word, a phrase, a verse, a chapter, and God will speak peace to my heart. Have you ever had one of those moments? I know you must have as a Christian, one of those times when you read that and you said, that wasn't in there last time I read this. God added another chapter. There's another Psalm that wasn't here before. And yet again and again and again, God can accommodate every need in any and every age with the same book. With those words that were given by divine authority and kept perfect for us. The Bible said in Romans chapter 15 verse 4, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. The comfort of the scriptures. 
Sometimes you hear people talk about opening the Bible, and I remember preachers that preached over the years, and probably more than one or two of them talked about trying to find God as a lost person and somehow one of those challenges that if you're there, then prove yourself to me. And sometimes sitting down and opening a Bible, you know how it goes, and taking the finger and putting it down and God just nailing them to the wall. (laughs) With thou art weighed in the balances and found wanting. God cast them into the lake of fire. That's usually what somebody who challenges God walks away with. I remember a fellow that uh, said he took the Bible on numerous occasions and would open the Bible and said, if you're really there, God, show me you're there. And he would end up by throwing that Bible all the way across the room. It would hit the wall and slide down the wall to the floor. Angry. You say, why? Because God was doing exactly what he challenged God to do. And he didn't really think God would do what he challenged God. What is that? Using this book to speak to the specific individual needs and challenges of our own hearts. This is quite a book. It's quite a book. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. I have the same confidence in these scriptures. There's much talk or has been in times gone past of the originals, the Greek, the Hebrew, and all of that stuff. And and someone who makes that boast very often is somebody who has no idea of what they're talking about. I'll just have to say that in as much kindness as I can muster. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, I don't put confidence in some pieces of fragments and, and pieces that have two letters on them and one, one, re- I put my confidence in this book that is right here on this table this morning. You say, how can you do that? Because it's not the paper that's magical. It's the God that has kept his word pure and clean so that I can have it in my language in this day and in this time. I read this book with as much confidence in what it says to me. If I had something that could be proven, and by the way, it can't be proven, but if I had something that could be proven, this is one of the original autographs. This is one that Moses, this is one that the writers of the Old Testament wrote. This is one that John in the New Testament, this is one the apostles, if they could give me that with certainty and veracity, I wouldn't waste my time on it. You say, that's horrible. Let me help you with something. I have taught Greek for probably 14 years. And all my students would attest to this. It is the most boring, dried up, fruitless endeavor there is on the face of the earth. Always say, I'm an Eteusi. Oh, my Eati. I'm a Thestiantai. All of those conjugations and verbs. And when it's all said and done... You'll find yourself looking at something going, now, I don't even understand what that says in Greek. It doesn't make sense. So I've got it in English. I've got the word of God in front of me. I find that by this book right here, he says, more to be desired are they than gold. Yea, than much fine gold. Can I spend a few minutes with you this morning and encourage you in your relationship with the word of God? You say, well, (laughs) you know, what are you talking about? My relationship with my wife. Well, this book is as alive as your wife is. The word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's alive. That's how it knows things about you that nobody else knows about you. Do you ever find the Bible having your, your, your problem just listed right out there when nobody else knew? And did you ever have God reveal to you an area of your heart that you didn't even know existed? I've had God show me bitterness in my heart I didn't even know was there. I've had God show me things in my life and in my walk with him that 
were really not worth what they should be. And God revealed that to me through some obscure passage that I thought, oh boy, here we go again. Just another passage. One of those long things back there that I don't understand. And all at once, God arrests your attention. Sometimes it's a phrase. Sometimes it's a word. Sometimes it's a verse. Sometimes it's a chapter. But he has a way of getting the message home again and again and again. His words are pertinent to the day and time in which we live. We have divided the scripture down into a number of areas and, and we can spend time and look at it to, from the position maybe of what we consider an auto mechanic and look at the scripture that way and knowing the parts and pieces and putting it that way. We can talk about the knowledge of God being theology and harmardiology and soteriology and all of those ologies and ology is just the writings, the word of, the, the talk about this. We can talk about all those various factions and areas of the scripture, but what matters matters most is we have something in our hand that can make a difference in the life that we live today. Do you realize that the world cannot be chided or condemned for not reading the Word of God? You can't, you can't walk up to a lost person and say, you know, if you'd read the Bible, uh, that's where you're... No, you can't. A lost person has no means of understanding it. Jesus specifically stated to his disciples that the Holy Spirit is going to come. He's going to lead and guide you into all truth. Uh, the Ethiopian eunuch said, how can I understand except some man guide me? We need a guide and a help when we come to this book. Did you ever find somebody that was lost? Maybe somebody you work with, maybe a family member, and uh, you'd begin to talk about the Bible and they'd say, well, you know, the standard comeback is, well, you have no idea what the Bible says. Nobody can know. It's just confusion. And, and it is to them. They're telling you the absolute truth. It's just a bungle, bungled up bunch of letters there that mean nothing to the average person. It is when the Holy Spirit of God breathes on those words that are inspired and conveys them to the heart and enlightens the mind that they have great meaning. I can still, I said a moment ago, remember the night that I trusted Christ as my Savior. And I don't think everybody has to. And I don't think if you don't, then it's something mistaken in your salvation. But I remember the night I sat on a church pew right over there on that side in a church with probably 2,000, 3,000 people there that night. And listened to a preacher preach a simple message out of Romans chapter 10 verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I sat on that front row because my mother and father sang in the choir and they were sitting in the choir and that was a place where they could keep an eye on me and actually communicate with me. If I was a little rowdy, if I was a little too rambunctious, I would simply catch a glimpse of my mother with that scowl on her face that said something about you're two seconds away from getting killed. And that's how they maintained discipline as I was growing up. But that night I sat right over there and that preacher preached. And by that age, by age five, I'd probably heard well in excess of three or four hundred sermons preached. But never one did for me what that message did that night when he said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I had read that Bible through. I learned to read, reading the Word of God. That's one thing my mother did was teach me how to read. And I did it by putting my finger under that word and I would pronounce each word and she would follow right along with me. And I learned to read that way before I ever went to school. I'm not saying that to be boastful or proud. I'm just saying that this book has meant something to me for a long, long time. And the times that are the most disparaging in my life have been the times I got away from this book. And figured it out on my own or decided to go my own route or my own way or somehow turned from that book. May I say to you, the 
necessities of this book are really pretty small. Number one, I need to learn to read it. I need to learn to read it. Now, I realize I'm preaching to a congregation this morning of people who are probably well into maturity as far as your Christian walk is concerned. But having said that, I'll bet there's a lot of mature Christians here this morning who love the Lord and have been saved for a number of years and probably could enumerate on some of the great doctrines that make us distinct as Baptists and uh, probably even defend a lot of your positions. And, and we could go on and on with that. You could probably stand and very eloquently talk about what it was when the Lord saved you. But I want to ask you a question. Do you read the word of God? They used to sing a song years ago, said, how long has it been since you talked with the Lord? (laughs) Talking about a prayer life. I wonder how long it's been since you sat down and opened his book and said, God, I need something today. And I don't even know what it is. I don't even know where the problem is, Lord. There's just a, a fog. There's a cloud. I can't even see clearly. And I don't know why I'm here or what I'm looking for, but I know this is the only place to come. And I have a need in my heart. When's the last time you spent time in that book and God turned the lights on? You ever have one of those moments? Boy, those are great times. When all at once it's like God added something to the scripture last night while I was asleep. Something that's there right now that wasn't there the last time I read through here. Another verse has been added. God's changed it somehow. He put that there specifically for me. I've had times in my life on rare occasions where in my prayer life I would ask God and use specific language or wording. And all at once I find a verse that has that specific language or wording in it. It wasn't there before. You say, oh, it was. Well, maybe it was, but I never saw it. Not until God enlightened me. Sometimes we wonder why we struggle in the Christian life. And we can add a thousand things. Well, you know, it's my situation at home. It's my job. It's this. You know, it's just the times in which we live. We live in perilous and wicked times. And I submit to you, it's probably none of the above. It's probably just the simplicity of the fact that you and I neglect the help that comes from the word of God. Just reading it. Just spending some time in that book, just allowing it to speak to me, just going through and pronouncing the words and going back and uh, reading the names. I, Isaiah 8, 1, take a book and write concerning Mehershal El Hashbaz. It took me about six months to learn how to pronounce that. Longest name in the Bible, 23 letters, I think. Mehershal El Hashbaz. That's a good name if some of you are expecting If you want a unique name for your child, I promise you, there is nobody. And there's not even, you can't even shorten that. You can't come up, you come, hey, Mayher. You can't come up with a nickname for that. You'd have to call them Mayher Shalal Hashbaz every time. So yeah, you look at those names and there's something in every one of those things that God can use to speak to our heart. But very often God is faithful and good at pointing out specifically where there's a lacking in my own life. Something to obey. Usually the difficulties of my life are in place and I can complain about they did it or they said it or this is the way it is or it's the government or it's this or it's that. Uh, The truth of the matter is it's the place where I stopped following and stopped heeding what God said in his word. 
I could say to you this morning, and maybe I shouldn't, but if you've not been reading the Word of God and you're dealing with one of those situations where if I just knew, if I just had light, you may not like the light God gives, but God will give the light. God will put his finger right there on that page as you're reading along and you'll stop and you'll go, wow, that wasn't in there the last time I read that. Or at least it didn't sound the way it sounds when I just read it right now. Sometimes I've come through there and I've said, God, I've never read that verse before in my life. Never read it before in my life. And I know that's not true. But then again, I know it is true because I never saw it. I've read verses in there that are specifically in there for me. That God put there for me. I never met anybody that dealt with or had to deal with or whatever it was in my life. I'm unique. Remember that? Your sin and your difficulties will make your life unique. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. And yet God has a verse right there for me and for you. The problem with the Bible is not its lack of clarity. It's the lack of attention we pay to it. The fact that we neglect it time and time again. I used to talk about Baptists being the people that believe they could absorb the truth of Scripture through their armpit. Because they would tuck it right up underneath there and wherever they went, they had that Bible up underneath there. And, and amidst the perspiration coming out, I suppose, the truths went in. Uh, but at least that's what the thought was. Your Bible laying at home on a shelf or laying on a coffee table or your Bible stuck in the back window of your car with the cover curling up because it's been in the sun so long is not a Bible that's helping anyone. And yeah, we could say that Bible is worthless. But is your Bible worthless? Maybe it's in your lap this morning, but is it worthless? Maybe you brought it in and (laughs) laid it very nice and maybe you took all the junk that gets stuffed into a Bible over time and cleaned it out a little bit. Maybe you brought it. Maybe you made sure the ribbon was just right this morning. But I want to ask you a question. When's the last time you went to this book and said, God, I need guidance. I need help. I need to hear from heaven and I need you to talk to me. It's a wonderful book that we have. We ought to obey it. We ought to obey it. We ought to read it. When God says things in this book, there have been things I said before that very often I'm sure we would all agree on wasn't in there the last time I read it. But God has a way of dealing specifically with areas in life. And sometimes I read that and God puts a thou shalt not every once in a while where there wasn't a thou shalt not. And sometimes it's not written thou shalt not. Sometimes it's just the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God working through a particular passage. And God puts his finger on an area of neglect in my life or an area that needs to be corrected and mended. And he'll put it right there. And it's as though that verse jumps off the page to me. It takes a place in my life where it gives me counsel and guidance if I pay attention to it. But how many times have I read something and said, well, you know, let's read on over here somewhere else. We need to read it. We need to obey it. You understand this is God's law book. God's law book. You say, well, what does that mean? No, it's not the law that sends us to hell if we neglect it. If that were the case, we'd all be in danger. (laughs) It's the book of God's law. So I know that how fast I'm supposed to go in this area and how quickly I'm supposed to go and can I make a left turn or a right turn. It's kind of like traffic laws. You know, it's for the safety of everybody. God's got a lot of laws in there for his people. 
God's got a lot of, of, of things that need to be done in order to maintain the Christian life and the Christian walk and, and to maintain or develop some effectiveness for Christ. There are a lot of do's and don'ts, but they're not those do's and don'ts where if you don't do it, I'm going to shoot you with a bolt of lightning. It's not that at all. It's God says, listen, you want to do this and let me help you. Let me show you some things that will help. This book is probably the greatest coaches that ever existed on the face of the earth. This book, time and time again, has put an arm around my shoulders and said, look, <laughs> let, me, let me show you another way. And I read again, while those past, I've read this book through, I don't know how many times, but I've never really read this book through because I know there's things I've never read yet. Things I've never seen yet. Because I see them every time I turn to the pages of this book, fresh and new, and always pertinent to the issues that I confront in my life. What a book. What a book. You could go to the library, you could go to the Library of Congress, and I don't know how many thousands and thousands and thousands of books there are there. And you could not do with one of those books what you could do with the Bible that's in your lap this morning. You could go out and figure out my need is in this area of my life. And if you went over to the card catalog, you could find a whole section of books that dealt with that need that was in your life. You could go to that shelf and you could look down through there for the author that is most noted as being the best in that field. And you could pull that book off the shelf and you could sit down and read it. And it would not meet the need of your life any better than this book right here could meet yours. And at the same time, reach thousands of other people's needs and meet them at the same time. It's quite a book. It's quite a book. But is it a book that we read? Is it a book that we obey? Some things we ought to do in this book is obey it. Let me ask you a question. <clears throat> I'm not going to ask you what things have has there been that God's shown you that have transformed your life. And I'm sure if you've been saved any length of time and sat under biblical preaching or read the word of God, there are things in your life that changed and altered because of this book. But I want to ask you this. When's the last time you read something in this book that said you go right when you were going left and you didn't obey and you're still going the wrong direction and things haven't gotten any better at all? Things haven't gotten any better at all. Uh, one of the things a pastor does is counsel. And somebody said, boy, is it difficult to counsel? No, they don't really listen anyway. For the most part. I mean, just being honest with you, you know, people come and uh, it's kind of like putting a Band-Aid on the boo-boo. That's what I refer to, to, that, to it as. And again, if you're here and I've counseled you, it's not that way with every person. You were the one, okay? You were the one that sincerely had a definite need. And, and, uh, but you know, most of it, most of it, people already know what they want to do. They just want to hear you say it if you'll say it. And if not, then they'll go away poochy-lipped, and that's kind of the way that it works. But... Anytime I take the advice of this book, I find it always brings me to the right place where I need to be. I, I say again, if you had asked me 50 years ago, <laughs> uh, the one thing in life I would not want to do it would have been to be a preacher. I love preaching. I wasn't backslidden. I was faithful in church. I loved the Lord. I went on visitation every Wednesday or Thursday night, I should say. I, I was faithful in services. We weren't allowed to miss, you know. If you had a pulse, you went to church on Sunday morning. Yeah, that's the way my folks were. And, uh, you know, if you had a fever, they would put a cold rag on your head. And then they'd say, well, you're not feeling so hot now, so let's go on to church. That's just the way that we were. And yet in all of that time, I, I find that 
If I'm not careful, I would look around and try to find the excuse that could be there. And I never could find an excuse for not being there. And I could never find a God that would justify me in my rebellion and a God that would justify my opinion. And because I believe, I never found a God that would make excuses for me in his word. It's always pretty blunt. It's always pretty blunt. And it's always, you want the answer, here it is. And then here's what I found in my life. He quits talking. Do you ever have God do that to you? In other words, Lord, here's my problem. And I know there's 25 things that probably in this and this. And, and I tried that and, and this and this. And God says, no, here it is right here. And then he quits talking. Because it doesn't need to go any further. I find folks that continue to carry those burdens throughout life and need help again and again and again and again and over and over and over and jump out of the frying pan and into the fire for the 10th time usually are people that at some point heard what God said and said, there's got to be something else. There's got to be something else. I remember the story of the fellow that fell off the cliff and grabbed the rope as he went off the cliff and he's hanging there 30 feet underneath the precipice above him and 70 feet above the valley below and he doesn't know what to do because he's slipping down the rope and so he looks up to heaven and he says is is anybody up there i gotta have help can you help me help me anybody there and a voice from heaven comes and says let go of the rope And he hung there for a moment and then said, is there anybody else up there? (laughs) And that's very often the way we go to the scripture, isn't it? Lord, I need an answer. I I need some help. I need some clarity. I I need direction. God, I I need this. And well, (laughs) that won't help. Tried that. Is there anything new in this book, God? Well, the things that need to be new are the things in you approach to the word of God. We love to read it when it tells the nice story. Did you ever notice how we fascinated with the stories of the miracles and not to downplay those tremendous events? You know, I'm not always looking for five loaves and two fishes to turn into enough to feed 5,000 people. Sometimes I need to know where I put my foot on the next step or I need to know what direction I need to turn at this point in my life. And I am very prone to put my will ahead of the will of the Lord. So much so that very often I'll take the step before I even look to see what God has to say. And then say, God, get me out of this when I find out I took the wrong step. But if I would spend time in the word of God and obey it, I would have avoided a whole lot of troubles in the course of my life. So we need to be a people who will read the word of God, a people who will study it, a people who will obey it, a people who will publish it. A people who will publish it. Meaning what? You know, phrases can become sickening. Have a nice day. How many of you know that doesn't mean at all what it meant 30 years ago? Have a nice day. I don't even think brain engages anymore. People just, you're moving away and mind kicks in and it's autopilot and have a nice day. I've had people, I've looked at them before and I said, you're not having a nice day. So your estimation of a nice day might not be a day I want to have. So please don't wish that for me. 
uh, everything's just colloquial. We say it because that's the thing to say. And we, you're just trying to be neighborly or trying to somehow mean something that'll make a connection. And, and we just ramble on and on and on and on. Do you realize there are verses of Scripture that could change people's lives? The little guy that you gave your money to at the coffee window this morning when he handed you the cup of coffee and he said, have a nice day. Did you ever look for one of those verses in there that would just stick with somebody for a long time? Here's the goodness of the Lord. We're not consumed. <laughs> Something along that line. There are a lot of verses. The ability to come back with a verse of Scripture, but we waste that somehow because, well, we, we, we don't really want to publish it. You might offend somebody. You might just, you don't want to offend anybody, you know. People say, well, you could run somebody off, you know. Where are you gonna, they're not in church now. Where are you going to run them to? Uh, they're not trusting God now. How, where, where does it matter where you run them to? We're afraid of offending someone. And yet at the same time, if you and I have the answer and if the answer is Jesus Christ, and if he's the one that can solve every problem and give a solution to every need, then why in the world are we just closing our mouths and not saying anything at all? We are really guerrilla Christians. We're hiding. We're blending in. And that's not what Christians are for. Christians are for publishing the word of God, proclaiming the word of God, offering help where it's needed. That's what Christianity is all about. And it is this book that provides me with something worth publishing. Do you realize there are very few things that you could say as a simple statement of truth that would apply worldwide? But he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. There's something in this book that pertains to every human being on the face of this planet. It is good news for everyone. It is the answer. It is the solution to every being on the planet. Do you ever have somebody say, have a nice day? And it's just colloquial, you know. We just say it. We don't have any meaning to it. What is a nice day? You know, well, I was thinking about shooting the next person that said that to me. So if I'm going to have a nice day, I don't know how this is going to work out. Something that's pertinent is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll never share the gospel. Somebody said, well, you know, I'm, a, I'm afraid of offending somebody. Well, you know, what are you going to do? They're going to quit going to church? Oh, they don't go to church. Are they going to quit believing in God? They don't really believe in God anyway. If they did, they'd be going to church and trusting Christ as their Savior. What am I going to do to offend them? How far away am I going to push them? Someone said one time, I'm going to send them to hell number three or hell number four. They're all lost. They're all in need of a Savior. I need to publish this book. I need to befriend and defend it. I need to befriend and defend this book. This book has been a friend to me. This book has been a friend to me. I remember listening to my Bible teacher years ago talking about being under conviction and stealing a Bible. He stole a Bible. 
walked past the house one night and saw a Bible laying up on a chair and walked up and stole the Bible. That's what he started reading. And he said, when I began to read it, it would always take me somewhere where it just nailed me to the wall. And he said, I'd take that Bible and I'd throw it all the way across the living room. It would hit the wall, slide down behind the couch, and I'd just let it lay there. But he said two or three days would go by. and The Holy Spirit would tap me on the shoulder and he said, I'd get down on my hands and knees and crawl back underneath that couch, and pull that Bible out, sit down and open it. And it would nail me to the wall again and I'd throw it back across the living room and it would slide down behind the couch and He finally came to the place where he said, God, I never understand this, nor will I believe it till somebody shows me. And God just kind of let him stumble over a preacher that led him to Christ. That's just an interesting thing, the way God works, isn't it? But very often, very often, people don't read the word of God because it doesn't, it it doesn't, I, I don't know where it fits in the puzzle. That's where the Christian comes in. That's where you and I come in, in reaching the lost. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged. This book has the ability to convert the soul. But sometimes it takes a steady hand to turn the piece so they can see that it does fit. Some people look at church and look at the Bible and look at salvation and trusting Christ and all of those words and phrases that are familiar to us and they think, it just doesn't fit, doesn't fit my life. Yeah, but you know, you just turn it just a little bit and you find out it fits just perfectly. Because God's the answer. God's the missing piece. We've got the book in our lap, the book of books. And yet we pay so little attention to it. We need to read it. We need to obey it. We need to publish it. We need to befriend and defend it. Let me ask you a question this morning. This is just a simple message. It's a Sunday morning and... Pastor's not here, and I talked to him on the phone last night, so I'm preaching this morning. How would you rate your love for the Scripture? How would you rate the Scripture's impact in your life because of your reading it on a daily basis? How would you rate your love for the Lord Jesus Christ Because it has increased as he's taken time and time again and put verses there that weren't there the last time I read it. But it's there and it specifically deals with me and my need. You know, if there was any doubt as to whether there was really a God, reading the scripture would cure that. Somebody said, well, I want to stand on a bridge and go, you're a God, show me. He did. He gave you this book right here. And this book will read your mail. This book will write out of the the obscureness of of a passage, put its finger right on your nose, and you'll be reading along just, wait a minute, that's me. That's my problem. You'll find God answers your prayer more often than not, but we neglect to pay attention. We've got a book. We call it a Bible. The word Bible means book. There is no other book but the Bible. We've got the book. I find that this book is going to be present one day at the judgment. And the Bible tells me that God judges them out of the books. You may not pay much attention to it right now, particularly if you're unsaved. And I don't know whether you're here this morning and you're not saved or not. But there are a lot of people that find themselves in strange and unusual places who 
are not real believers or have never trusted Christ. But you're going to find yourself one of these days confronting this book at a judgment. You say, well, yeah, but it just, you know, ignorance is no excuse. That's what the judge says, isn't it? That's what the traffic court says. That's what the jury says. Ignorance is no excuse. And one of these days, God's going to take the unconverted sinner who refused to trust Christ. And this book tells me he's going to be cast. She's going to be cast into a lake of fire that burns with fire and brimstone. And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever. Never stops. You say, I think that's horrible. I think that's terrible. I can't believe in a God who would do something like that. You know, sometimes methinks me hear voices from heaven. And they say, I gave them a book filled with words, every word given by inspiration from me. They wrote my words down in a book. I saw to it that it was published for all nations to read. I find that in most countries of the world today, you can find a copy of it that will cost you absolutely nothing. It's free. If you can't spend the night in a hotel, take one out of the drawer. Everywhere you go, he's put that book. You say, well, what does that mean? It means this. Someday I think somebody's going to stand there and say, God, <laughs> yeah, I didn't know. Spent 214 nights in a hotel when you were working for the company you worked for. Every one of those hotels had a Bible in the drawer. You opened this number of those drawers and saw that Bible in this many of those hotel rooms. You picked it up and leafed through it a couple of times. You even read a passage or two. You understand what this book is? This book is the linchpin of all the will of God right here. This is the part that makes it all just come clear. And this is God telling you what he was going to do before he does it. And this is God telling you and I how to come into conformity to the will of God. So that we can walk beside him and with him. And enjoy the bounty of his goodness and his graciousness toward us. You say, well, preacher, you know, this is a King James Bible-believing church. We're independent Baptists. We're fundamentalists. we got all those other names, and we could add 10 or 15 more to help kind of make us, you know, more special. But how special are we? If we have a book, we profess that frame the worlds. A book that is responsible for the existence of every solar system and universe that they can find and notate. A book that was written by the God who made the stars by just, the Bible said they're the work of his fingers. Stars. How special is it if we don't take time to read it? Well, you just don't understand it. You know, I didn't understand a lot of math books when I started out. I took four years of French. I didn't understand any of that in those books the first two or three years I was there. Not everything makes sense when I initially deal with it. The truth of the matter is I have to apply myself. And so to Christians this morning, I just wanted to give you a familiar topic. The Word of God. The knowledge of God is in this book. The knowledge of sin. The knowledge of salvation. 
All of those things can be found in here. And the knowledge of the Christian life and the how-to of living and pleasing God, all in this book. You took the time this morning to get up, to dress up, to drive the automobile to be here. You, even if you're in a bad mood, everybody seemed to look pretty friendly this morning. And you shook hands and you smiled and you said, how you doing? And, and, and did you read the word of God at all? There used to be an old song that said, ere you left your room this morning, did you think to pray? Did you think to pray? Did you think to read your Bible? Did you think to sit down and somehow turn down the din and the noise of the world around and just sit for even a few moments and say, God, I don't want to start my day today without thanking you for this book. Thanking you that, Lord, though it was paged hundreds and hundreds and even thousands of years ago, I have it in my hand. And Lord, I want you to know there's no way possible I could understand it because it's of divine origin and I'm not divine. But Lord, you've even taken care of that because you've promised that you would lead and guide me into the truth. And so, Lord, I want to spend some time in this book. Well, we'd prefer to hear somebody preach about the waywardness of our nation and the problem with politics. And we, we like those kind of messages that rile us up and get us, let's go. Did you read your Bible? Did you read your Bible? Back in the day when Soviet Russia was persecuting Christians openly, putting them in jail. I spent time years ago in Romania in the prison cell where Richard Wormbrandt spent 17 years of his life being a preacher. They let him go on several occasions under the mandate that we're going to let you go, be kind to you. You will not preach the gospel. To my knowledge, he never spent more than two or three days outside of prison because that's what God called him to do. I find there are people around the world that were willing willing to risk their freedom, their liberty, their family for a chance to have even a portion of that book. And we have it. We probably have enough copies of the scripture in the back windows of automobiles in America to supply the need of two or three third world countries. But they're there neglected. They're there neglected. Listen, don't ever come to a place in your life where when somebody says, where's your Bible? You say, I don't know. I don't know. Read it. Study it. Befriend it. The professor saw some of his students coming into the classroom at a little Bible college, and he said, I noticed, young people, this morning that you came into class carrying your Bible. I will assure you someday your Bible will carry you. And that's the truth. Would you bow your heads this morning?